The following was recorded at New Church in Ventura, California. Pastor Jesse Giglio is speaking. Uh, we kicked off um, a couple weeks ago, uh, kind of out of that winter break, looking at these letters to the Corinthians. And it's, it's Paul writing to these people that he cares deeply about. Uh, we've covered some of this. but these, This is a city he spent maybe the most time in of any, every, any city. This was a new industrious uh, city. It was a young, young city, philosophers, edge of thought and reason. Uh, lots of people coming from all over the, the globe to be at this place. It was sort of central to these shipping lanes and just bridged so many different nations. So, so Paul has spent much time in Corinth, and at this point during these letters, he's, he's not in Corinth anymore. He's, he's somewhere else, but he's, he's getting word that things are going down. Anyone remember that from last week, what happened? He got like ratted out by the, that Chloe's house, right? So, so basically the people in Corinth, there's things that are going down that aren't good. Some other people are like tattletailing on them and, and calling Paul, and then Paul's having to address that. So that's sort of where we find ourselves. And in, in, and in chapter one, the, the gist of it was there was division, there's things going down that, that were not healthy, and Paul's jumping in. We also learned that this was, this was not the first letter, it was at least the second one, but he said, hey, in my previous letter, so this is an ongoing conversation with these guys, and he's just not willing to sort of let it go. So uh, Corinthians 2, we're not going full verse by verse. I encourage you during your week, if you want to get into this book a little bit, uh, we're going to kind of cover some, some broader brushstrokes of, of probably of these chapters, at least for, for a little while here. Uh, so Corinthians 2 opens up like this, and so it was with me, brothers and sisters, when I came to you, I did not come with eloquence, eloquence or human wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony of God. So he said, and so it was with me. So when I hear that, I kind of want to go back. What, what is he talking about? Uh, always good to remember basic Bible stuff. Bible wasn't written in chapter and verse. It was just written. So this is kind of incomplete that hits here. But what he's talking about is the end of chapter 1 uh, says this. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not, excuse me, and things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. It's because of him that you are in Christ Jesus who has become for us wisdom from God that is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let no one boast, no one who boasts, boasts, in the Lord. So he's, he's, he's hitting this sort of humility of this situation. And you have a people who, who kind of can get excited about being part of like the next big thing. And so they would jump on different philosophers, uh, different deities to some extent. Uh, in this case, even in the church, are jumping on different leaders. So uh, who, whoever passed through Apollos, Paul, they're kind of, oh, we're with that guy, we're with this guy. And they were kind of getting proud about whoever they were aligned with. And Paul's like, man, just do away with all that stuff. It's really just about Jesus. And He's like, I, he's like, I'm not even anything. I, I, I'm a nothing. And so he comes to them with this sort of humility. And so for, for I re- resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Christ Jesus and him crucified. I came to you in weakness with great fear and trembling. My message and my pre- preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom but on God's power. So, so Paul's coming and, he's, and he's, he's addressing these people and he comes to them with, a, with sort of a lot of humility here, which is in, important uh, even as Paul starts to build a case kind of against them, he's like, hey, I was in, I'm weak, I'm beat up, I'm, I'm having a hard time. When I came with you, I didn't even use persuasive, persuasive or eloquent words, which Paul can do. He's well, well capable of doing that. But in this sense, like, if I'm going to connect with you guys because you're so caught up in philosophy and wisdom and your great cities, like, I'm going to back way down and all that stuff, and I'm just going to talk to you about Jesus. And he didn't want anything to sort of get in the way 
of, of Jesus. And there's a good message for us in that, whether, whether that's the church collectively or individually, that just make sure when we connect with people, we're, we're, we're not getting in the way of the Spirit. Paul's like, I just don't want to get in the way. He's like, I, I'm weak, I'm trembling, I'm humble, I'm scared. We've talked about that the past couple weeks. He's, he's, he's not even all that confident about where, where he's at, but he just wants the power, to move, power of the Spirit to move. And so for you and I, we have, the, we have the ability to engage conversation, care for people, serve, right? Preachers are going to preach, but the Spirit is what demonstrates God's power. And that's actually good news for us. We don't even have to bear that burden. We just sort of carry out what we're supposed to do. And Paul's like, I'm just going to carry it all way back here, and I'm going to let the Spirit kick in and do his thing. And he's kind of starting to get to, to bringing this back to throughout the rest of this chapter, this sort of simplicity. Once you get back to it, it's the simplicity of the faith that this Corinthian church once knew and it seems like somehow they're just getting off track. They're just following some other, other ways. And at one time, it seemed real clear, like, okay, it's just going to be easy. We get the gospel story. Now, all of a sudden, he's finding out all this stuff, like, oh, my gosh, you guys, you've, you've drifted from that. And we have a tendency in our human nature to sort of overcomplicate things. Some of us worse than others. Some of you know who you are. Some of you know someone who is, like, they just always overcomplicate things. It doesn't have to be that, that difficult. Uh, Amy and I worked a wedding this weekend, and a bunch of you guys were there. Uh, Pastor Sarah, she'll, she'll be here one of, these, one of these days when she gets back, but really fun wedding. Uh, but working with Sarah leading up to it, it was kind of fun, and I'll let her tell her story when she, when she gets here, but she was so excited, and she's like, it doesn't matter, wedding, just, just make it simple, and uh, we, I, we don't care about the details, we're just going to get together and have a, have, a, have a good party, and like, lots of people kind of take that position, right? But as you get closer and closer to the wedding, like, some of the details start to set in a little bit, and someone like... The, this sort of insanity of that stuff just starts to settle. And, and like what once was just like, it doesn't even matter. It's like everything matters, every detail, right? Their burlap is not facing correctly on the table. Turn the burlap around. It was just like, what is happening? But you, you kind of get these things, they creep in. At one point, it seemed very clear. This is just going to be a big celebration. We just want our friends here. But then you start to, start to say, oh my gosh, what if I miss this? What if this happens? And, I, and I, want, I saw this person do this. And all this stuff starts to creep in. And those things are fine. But it can steal away the big picture joy of whatever's supposed to be happening, right? And it was fine. We could laugh about those things at a wedding. But in regards to our faith, for some of us, we've had these experiences like, man, I just love Jesus. I just, I just love my neighbor. I'm just, things are, I love God. Things are good. And at some point, like the minutiae, like, well, I guess it can't all be good. And like these little things just start to creep in. Or I haven't, I haven't read that book. I don't agree with that guy. And you start to kind of form a different opinion about sort of our faith. And Paul's pushing, these, pushing back on these guys like, wait a minute, hold on. Let's not overcomplicate these things. Remember the early stuff I talked to you about. Remember the gospel. Remember just preaching Jesus, saved by grace through faith. And, and, and don't let all this stuff start to rob you of, of the joy of that story, of that narrative. And we can do that. We, we can let the minutia of life rob us from the joy of what I believe God has a, a, a beautiful narrative for all our lives. I think he wants our lives to be full. He says that. I want life and life abundant. Not life in abundant, like life in super busy, but life that just feels full. Like, I feel filled. We're all going to have our days, but, 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 but the life that Jesus is giving us is not one that's, that's, that's burdensome. And he doesn't want our faith to feel like a burden, like, oh my gosh, I'm not keeping up. I don't understand that. I don't know. How, how can those things be recon, reconciled? It's like, no, don't let that burden you. Like, go back to the simplicity of it in the big, beautiful picture. So Paul is starting to engage these people who really were almost too smart for their own good. Remember, these are not country, these are not country folk in sort of the, the Middle East. This is metropolitan city. 
And they had a huge tendency to overthink everything. They were big on philosophy. And in that culture, they just wanted to argue whatever the other point was. And we can kind of get there sometimes. We see something, someone posts something, like, oh, yeah, what about this? And it just gets to be a mess. Paul's like, let's just let's start to do away with some of that thing. Let's remember, when I came, I didn't even use fancy words. Just remember, remember Jesus. Remember Jesus. And this is also, I think, good news for us by way of, if we look at Paul, who's saying, hey, I didn't even use Paul had gifts, but he didn't even have to use them in these, this situation. Like, it's no gifts required for God to use you. Now, you have gifts. You may not know that. Maybe you're afraid to use it. But when God wants to move through you and you're available, it doesn't matter. It doesn't even matter if you have the gift or don't have the gift. The measure of God's work through you has nothing to do with how talented you are. It has nothing to do with how talented you are. Because if it does, all of a sudden, then we're more part of this thing more than really dependency on God's power of his spirit. And so Paul was demonstrating that. He's like throwing himself, hey, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to do nothing. And guess what? He can still move. He can still move. He goes on to say, we do, however, speak with a, a message of wisdom among the mature, but not the wisdom of this age or the rulers of this age who are coming, coming to nothing. So, so he, he, he starts to get into this, we won't cover all of this today in, in this chapter two, but he's saying, listen, it's not like it's, it's, super remedial. It's, it is wisdom. It's just simple. It's not as complicated as you want it to be. And these, and these people, and sometimes even us in the, in the church, we kind of look like, eh, it can't be that easy. Say by grace, eh, must be something more to it. I was like, no, wait, go back to that. That's wisdom. What's not wisdom is when you overcomplicate your stuff and get all caught up in the, in the human philosophical conversation of the day that they loved. Paul said, man, we, have, we had the mystery of the God, the, the God's wisdom. A mystery has been hidden, but now it's been declared to us. Like God's, this mystery of God all, for all these generations and all this time, like we've seen it now. The plan has been revealed. It's Jesus. We know the plan. We actually saw the plan, right? I like that God's a mystery. I think there's something about that. But he's also not trying to hide from us. Like, that's not the mystery element of God. The mystery element of God is because he's so vast, we can't just get everywhere. But he wants us to know him. He wants us to know him. He wants us to understand the wonder. He wants us to understand the plan. Paul says, no, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, what no human mind has conceived, the things of God prepared for those, those of us who love him, these are the things that God has revealed to us by his spirit. It's like previously all the stuff that was a mystery, now it's been revealed. That's the age that we live in. It is age of revelation. It's awesome. And sometimes we almost like want to go back, like, yeah, we just don't get God. We don't know anything about what he's talking about. Like, Paul's like, no, you actually do. You do know. That's what Jesus was. That's God's plan for you. He has to encourage these people who are looking for almost for something else. He said, the spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. What we have received is not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is, who is from God, so that we, we may understand what God has freely given us. It's, you have received the spirit. Jesus has come and gone. The Holy Spirit is with you so that you can know God. So that you can know God. That is, that, that's, that's the gospel news for these, these people and for us. You can know God. You can know God. And in some ways, they clutter it, and this was some of their culture and, and, and their philosophy, and then coming out of this, this, this Greek era of all these gods, and they, they just sort of overthinking. No one really knew God. There was all these multiple gods. And they were kind of drifting back to that. And Paul's like, no, wait, go back, guys. We, we talked about this. We talked about this. 
This is what we speak, not taught to us by human wisdom, but taught to us by spirit. Explaining spiritualities and spirit-taught worlds. The person without spirit does not accept the things that come from the spirit of God, but considers them foolishness, cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the spirit. The person with the spirit makes judgments about all things, but such a person is not subject to merely human judgments. Who has known the mind of the Lord? Who knows God so as to instruct him that we have the mind of Christ? So that's a lot of stuff, and you can go back on it. But what, what, what he's talking about is we've received God's spirit so we can know him. And we see, and we can see his, his plan for our lives. And there's a, there's a group here, and we're going to kind of see more of it, but they're sort of just spinning. Like, we don't really know anything. It's Paul's like, you actually do. Right? And some of us here, we, we kind of need to hear that. Like, I have no idea what's going on with my life or my faith. And like, you actually do, or you actually can. If it feels really confusing or scary, complicated, take a moment and realize what you've been given through, through Jesus. That's this message. There is revelation. There's access to the Father through him. I see people around town all the time. We've been here, you know, 15 years or so, and uh, done a number of things. I know people from youth group or other churches or, or you know, bartending or wherever. And uh, it's funny, but I haven't seen people for a while, right? And this could be any of you guys probably have this. Like, people seem like, where are you? You know, what happened to you? Like, I've been wondering so much about you. I keep thinking about you guys all the time. Like, you guys just disappeared. You're just like this mystery. And I'm like, you have my phone number. I'm on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Like, my wife posts videos of our life every day. <laughs> if you want to know, you can know. If you want to know something, you can know. It's like, you have the keys. Paul is speaking to these people. You have the keys to know. Stop searching around in all these other places thinking you're going to find it. You have it. Lean into the Spirit. Lean into Jesus. Remember those things. God is not trying to hide from us. Now, I get that can be feel a little bit intimidating, but, it's, but to hear it, you have the keys to the revelation. If you haven't heard from God for a while, like, well, have you, have you tried calling him? Have you tried listening? I'm like, nah, you know, you have my number, call me, text me. You can get to me if you want. If you really want to know, Paul's like, lean into this thing. And when he quotes Isaiah 40, like, Isaiah 40 is a really beautiful passage. It talks about the wonder of God, the vast giantness of God, and and Isaiah's like, who can even know God? And Paul's like, we can know God now. We have the mind of Christ. It's like, who can know God's mind? Like, we can, because of Christ in us, Christ through us. That's incredible. That's actually insane. We have access to the power of God through Jesus. And in this Old Testament world where they didn't, and almost sometimes we quote these things out of, out of context now. Like we could say, oh man, who can even know the mind of God? Paul's like, you can know the mind of God. That's the point. He wants to bring us close. And he's arguing with this is in this time, uh, a, a prevailing Greek, this Greek philosophical premise that you can't really know things. Only thing that can know a thing is that thing. So like thing is only known by the like thing, right? So you can't know that thing if you're not that thing. Only the thing can know that thing, right? So that makes any sense. Probably doesn't. But like you can't really you can't really know what your your dog is thinking because you're not the dog. Like you can guess what the dog is thinking, um, if you even care. You can guess what your dog is thinking, but you really you really can't know what the dog is thinking unless the dog tells you. I have a dog. I don't know for sure what she's thinking, but I also think dogs aren't that complicated, so I'm pretty pretty sure I do know what she's thinking, right? Like it, it's a dog. Like cats, I don't know. I mean, those dodgy little pets, I mean, they could be thinking of anything, 
right? Have you ever tried to like communicate with a cat or understand a cat? Like there's nothing. I don't know if they're thinking at all or they're really smart or they're really dumb, right? Maybe they love you. They, maybe they hate you. No one will ever know they're a mystery. The cat is a mystery. Like you can't know. And so you feel like I can't, I can't know a cat. Only a cat can know, know a cat, right? Cats are just that, that, that type of animal. They're only slightly less difficult to understand than women. Right? <laughs> I, I am still an idiot when it comes to understanding my wife, right? Like, but I'm getting slightly better because of time and because of relationship and because of experience. And I think that's part of the spiritual oneness we talk about in Genesis. When two people come together, they start to, to really share something so you can understand one another. And Paul wants to remind them, like, God is not this great cat in the universe that you, don't, you can't understand. Like, you can know him because he's given you his mind. He's given you that access. That doesn't mean we're going to understand every mystery and we're all of a sudden, like, enlightened and we just get this download of everything the universe has to offer. But it does mean that every believer, through the Spirit, through Christ, has the, un, the basics of Christianity can be understood. Like, we can get that message and we could actually also communicate that message. You know enough to be able to communicate that. So Paul's encouraging the Corinthian church here, kind of stick with it. Like, stop drifting away. God wants you to get to know him, but this is the way he wants you to get to know him, through his spirit, through Jesus, not through all these other, other pathways. And honestly, the church is not always even good about that because we have so much resource. Some of it's really good in the church. I mean, videos and books and, and podcasts and all that stuff. And those are great. I use those things. But man, sometimes there's no substitute with just locking yourself like in a room alone and trying to talk to God. And that could be scary. It's easier to read a book, have someone else tell me what they heard from God than me have to hear from God. But man, he's saying, you have the keys. You have God's number. And he makes this comparison to spiritual man or natural or, or man without spirit, which, which could also be translated natural man in some, some translations. And it's this Greek word, uh, suhikos. And, it, and it, really what it means is natural man, suhikos. suhikos. Natural man... It means governed by breath. So natural man, this, this word, when he talks about natural man, governed by breath, and it, and it describes a materialistic person, someone who lives as, as if there's nothing beyond physical life. And this is how you would describe life common to all animals. They're governed by breath. They're just governed by what I can see and breathe and do here. It's all physical. That's how I make my decisions, by everything I can see around me, what I can feel or taste, Right? And some of us can understand, like, when you're governed, some of us, when we're hungry, like, you're governed by hungry. Like, there is, you have no control over yourself. Like, that is what's going to rule you. And you, we've been in those places in life where something gets in your mind or your, or, your, or your heart, like, that thing is ruling you. Maybe it's a good thing. That could be someone you're in love with, a person. You know, maybe it's a, a, a addictions rule people that governs you. I think we all have things that want to creep in and govern our lives that aren't God, right? That's just a reality. We kind of want to sometimes lean into, what is that? What are those other things that are trying to govern my life? And really, that, what it does is, in this context, it's like he's saying it's, it's diminishing you to, like, animals. Like you have nothing. He said, there's this whole amazing spiritual realm out there, but when you, when you live this way, governed by just breath, just by what you can put in your body and feel and touch, like, you're missing so much. You're missing so much. When I wake up in the morning, man, I am governed by coffee. Like, I need to have coffee before I can even think about enjoying the coffee. Like, I just have to slam a coffee, and then I'm like, okay, now I can have a coffee and, like, relax. But I'm, I, am, I am governed by coffee in the morning. Right? And it's like, what governs your day? Right? And that's like, whatever, I'll deal, with, I'll deal with 
the coffee addiction, but other things that creep in. What's governing your day? What's always in the back of your mind that you're thinking about? And like an animal, right, they're always just thinking about a lot of times like their next, their next meal or, you know, mating or these very basic things, which are fine. Those are good things, but, but not just to be ruled by it. And this Suhikas man, he's like, you're just, you're just diminishing yourself to like one of the animals. And you think, oh, you're just governed by, governed by breath, just governed by what we can see. And he starts to share with them, he says, let's remember what this faith thing is all about. Like, remember the simplicity of it. Remember the joy of it. Remember the fun of it. I mean, Paul had some hard times in Corinth, but all of a sudden it seems to be moving. And there's some cool stuff happening. But there's people getting in these guys' ear and just making it more complicated. My family and I, uh, my, my brothers, my dad, and my kids now, whenever we get together, uh, if we can get all together, we, we love to play a football game. It's just going to happen. We have a, there's a bunch of us now, so there's almost, we could have 10 or 12 people. Sometimes, you know, the, the, the wives and my sister-in-law, our brother-in-law, and there's, we get a good five-on-five, six-on-six, and, um, and we just go at it, and it's, it's just super fun. We can play for hours. It's like a highlight of, you know, sometimes of Jets year in my year. We go out and practice, like, all right, we got to get ready for the next family football game, and and, and it's just kind of fun. We all have good chemistry, and, and we, we rotate positions like running back, quarterback, and it just kind of flows. And, and it's you know, usually some good trash talking, some hard hits, and, and somebody is, ends up crying. But we mostly have fun. Um, and you kind of rotate, right? So I'll be quarterback, my brother will be quarterback, or, or something. But, but what happens sometimes during that game is my dad slips into the quarterback position because he's allowed to. And when my dad slips into quarterback position, we don't just keep playing like fun because we, we just play sort of no huddle we just run we're just playing we're throwing the ball my dad gets to be quarterback it's like full huddle mold and he's like all right, all right everyone come over here come over here and you're like oh no and so he just gets everyone over here and you're circling out and like and, and this is the worst position to be in when, when you're in a huddle with my dad and, and my family knows it's like if you're if you're here with my dad he's like all right here's what we're gonna do and he grabs you by your shirt and he starts drawing plays on your chest He's like, what we're going to do is you're going to swing out here. You're going to cut across. This is going to be a slant. And he's poking at you. And if it's like one of my brothers, like, Pop, I am going to punch you in the face. Stop touching me. Like, my dad, he just gets into it. And it kind of like, oh, my gosh, you're just overcomplicating this thing. Like, we were having fun. Now we have to stop and run these plays. And, like, and sometimes that, those kind of interruptions can do us when we get caught up in these things. I get football plays. They're useful in some context. Not so much in our family football game. We're fine without it, right? We just want to have fun. We just want to remember that we're, we're, we're having a good time. And, you know, Dad will be like, well, you know, Grandpa played uh, football in college. I'm like, yeah, but not on a team. <laughs> no, he did. I think he, I think he played for like one practice or something. But, <laughs> but, but those things can steal the fun. And I, I, I hate that. For me, church, community, life, Jesus, fun is, in, is important for me in that. Because that, that says there's some kind of some kind of joy coming out of it. And I like how that looks from the outside world. I want it to look like fun. I want it to look like people are having a good time. Yeah, can it always be that way? No, things are going to come up. But if most of it can be fun, it makes the other times a little easier. And so Paul is trying to steal back from these people. Like someone is stealing the, the pure, innocent joy of the gospel from you guys and corrupting it and clouding it with, with, with actually with too much knowledge. So you guys are just, you're just trying to learn too much. Stop doing that. Stop learning. Just love one another like we talked about. You're saved by grace. Like, let's go back to the basics. I was talking to uh, Tim, Sarah's new husband now. Some of you guys, you'll get to meet Tim eventually if you haven't. And uh, before the wedding, and, you know, you're nervous. You're nervous. Is it, is it, is it scary for you? And, and he was just saying, he's like, nah, man, this is easy. The hard part's over. 
I found the person I want to spend the rest of my life with. And it just made all those other details easy. When you found the big, the big love, when you get the big picture, that other stuff starts to come down. Those, that, the minutia of life starts to come down. When you realize that Jesus loves you, and that's life and life abundant, and he wants the best of you, like, that other stuff can kind of come down a little bit. And that's the message starting to come out of this, of, of this book. I just encourage them, like, man, just remember that God loves you. You have access to the God of the universe, right? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as, your, as, your, as yourself. Save by grace so that no one can boast. Like, these are fundamental things. Like, yeah, remember those things. And that other stuff starts to, starts to, to drift off. All those theological conversations or political or sociological or psychological. What your conversations are that get in kind of cloud your, the innocence of the gospel? And go back to those things. So we're going to close out in a song. And, and um, yeah, I'll pray for us. Um, and myself. I can, I can tend to overthink things too. So, God, thank you for uh, who you are. And this is these stories, Lord. And I don't know. Some of us in this room probably relate with the Corinthians. Some don't. But, I mean, these are people who are just starting to overthink things. They're getting too smart, too philosophical, too caught up on human wisdom. And Paul thanks God, thank you for sending this letter through Paul that just reminds us, like, man, remember you have Jesus. Remember you have access to the Father. And so if anyone just feels right now, I just want to pray for you, like, God, take the pressure off their mind. They feel just clouded and complicated, questioning. May they return to hopefully whatever that innocent, beautiful, loving faith was at one point. Thank you, God, for who you are. In your name, amen. The preceding was recorded at New Church in Ventura, California. Pastor Jesse Giglio was speaking. For more information about New Church, go to neuechurch.com. That website address again is neuechurch.com. Thanks for listening, and may God bless you and yours.